What makes a great leader great? How do we create a high-performing team? And when we say leader, we mean everyone, because everyone is leading their own life. Will yours be a life by design or a life by default? Those are the big questions, and this podcast will answer them. Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast, where we help you apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders, because great leaders will produce great results. All right, welcome back to our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners. Wherever you're at in the world, this is Rob Schallenberger, and we have an amazing guest with us today. You're going to love this conversation. I've had the chance to meet Jason, and, and this is a true test of, of someone and their character is, is not so much what they say about themselves, but what other people say about them. And so some of the close friends in, in my circles have said that Jason is just an amazing person. I'll let him tell a little bit more about himself, but I'll say what he probably wouldn't say, just in the spirit of humility. He is the number one person in the world when it comes to webinars. He developed and built a company called Rapid Crush, and they are truly the best in the world when it comes to webinars and how to run them and market them, develop them, and everything that goes into a webinar. And that just doesn't happen by chance. So before we get into some lessons and some thoughts that are going to apply to all of us as leaders and listeners, Jason, first of all, welcome, and maybe just give a little bit of background on yourself if that's all right. Thanks for having me here, Rob. So... I am a 35-year-old man that still thinks he's a small-town Iowa boy because <laughs> I grew up in the Midwest until like three years ago, moved out to here. I'm in Los Angeles now, but I've always kind of kept that Midwest values. And I've always really liked the idea of if I could give value in advance and be compensated as a result of that, then that seems like it's a win-win. Like I would feel very comfortable moving forward in that. So I'd always try to do that when I started in business. As you and I were discussing previously, uh, my business first foray into business was actually in the music space, where selling entertainment essentially. So I would I created a an album and I was out there trying to hustle it, sell it, do anything and everything I could, and I thought it was a good product, but nobody was buying it, and that kind of led me on this quest of well, how do I fix that? And I, I got into like business and time management and personal development. These were all new concepts to me at the time. I mean, we tend to take them for granted today because they're everywhere and anywhere. But back then it was kind of, this is like 2004, 2005, kind of still subjects that hadn't entered the mainstream. And I got into marketing of the music. And up until that time, music was my number one passion. I always thought it was like the thing that would get me most excited and be my purpose. But I discovered the marketing of the music was more interesting to me than the music. It had now eclipsed what I thought was my number one thing. And then I said, you know, why market music? Why not market other things that are maybe even more exciting? Because marketing entertainment is very challenging. The public's tastes are very fickle, very trendy, and they change. And it's very hard to guess. But marketing things that solve people's problems, that to me seemed a lot easier. And so I kind of went down that quest. And, you know, I started simple. You know, I was writing articles at the time for people online. That's how I was making my money as an internet marketer, so to speak. And then from that, I created an information product on how I was writing these articles. And that did well. And so then I created other information products based around really simple concepts that people seem to be struggling with that I could just improve how fast that they could do it. So if they were doing something and it took them an hour and I could show them how to do it in half an hour, it's surprising. Well, I guess it isn't in hindsight, Rob, but at the time it was surprising to me how much people would be willing to pay to shave a half an hour off of something that they did repeatedly. And that really adds up. And then from that, just started to 
expand a little further and further my scope of what I could do. So we started off just selling eBooks. And when I say we, it was me initially. And then I had an assistant for a while. And then we grew up the company to this big monstrosity of what it is today. <laughs> but I saw webinars as a thing that was on the horizon. At the time, teleseminars were really big. And I liked them because it, it had that concept of let me give you value first. Just like in the music business, you give away your best music, your single, and then they buy the album, right? Let me give away the value first by being on a teleseminar, educating, and then aligning the offer to be further education. But teleseminars were, I saw them kind of on the, the downward trend because the technology for webinars for internet streaming and having a platform were now on the rise. And I knew that they were going to displace teleseminars. So I said, when they hit, I want to be the first one ready for it. And because I had no previous experience to port over to webinars, I built it from scratch. So we started doing webinars just purely from an educational standpoint in terms of you pay me, then we get on a webinar and I deliver. And I said, man, if this is so good for them to pay for the experience, why don't we give them the experience up front, a taste of that on a webinar? And then if they want to continue, then they can buy more webinar trainings. And we mastered that model. And then you know, I, I got into this, this space, Rob, because, you know, we all want our customers to do well. We all want our customers to, whatever they pay us, we want them to get a more, more out of it than what they exchange to get, right? So better results. We want them to have successes. We want to have 100% success rate. I mean, I do at least, right? But you and I know, especially with education and information, success rates are abysmally low. So we try our best to improve those success rates. And some people do it purely morally. They feel better at night. And I, I do too, right? But I always looked at it financially. The more money I could make my audience, the more money they could spend with me. The better I could do for them, the more likely they were to tell their friends and refer other people to me and want to be around me and do more business with me. And that's really where our focus was. So we got into software because I thought at the time, and this is like 2010, I thought at the time as well, they're having trouble implementing the education we teach. What if we made it push button? What if we build an interface? That's got to be the answer, right? Oh, I was so naive, you know? So then they get the <laughs> software, but they don't know how to use the software. So they need the education. And then implementing the education, we're back to square one. But what was cool is it took me three years to learn that. So I, when I made it my, my goal to create and sell software, I went all in on that. But I had the secret weapon because we were selling it with webinars. So everybody else was selling software completely differently. And they were selling like low ticket software. We would actually build the education in with the software and sell it. And then from that, so I learned to sell info products really well, learned to sell software really well. Then, you know, product launches became all the rave online, these online product launches. And, you know, they were later, we became my friend, Jeff Walker kind of innovated this whole new operation. And we'd come in and when they would launch an info product that didn't have really killer software, we would develop that, make it a bonus and promote that product. If they had really killer software, but had a gap in information, we would develop the information product and make that the bonus. And then when Amazon came out, like in 2013, as this really big viable opportunity, we were in the prime position based on everything we'd learned in the software and information and everything we'd learned with selling. So we came in there and we sold over $40 million of Amazon trainings, masterminds, software, information products, because we were now first to market. And that truly revolutionized the whole business That's for awesome. us. And then along the way, we sold over $100 million of stuff on webinars. And it's been a pretty fun experience. Well, I mean, that's a fabulous background. And you, <laughs> you don't just get to be the number one webinar person in the world by accident. I mean, so clearly you've done some amazing things along the way. And most of our listeners have either read our book and are familiar with the 12 principles of highly successful leaders, or they've, or they've watched or participated in the seminar somewhere. And it's interesting in talking with you, 
how so much of your success is because you've done certain things. And before we jump into the webinar side of it, I mean, I'm thinking of our listeners, and you and I were talking before we started, there's a really wide swath of listeners, some who really need webinars in their business who currently don't, because it's going to have a huge impact on their growth and their success. And then there's other people who, for whatever reason, a webinar is not really a part of their life. And so before we jump into the webinar part, Jason, I'd like to get inside of your brain just a little bit more and tap into your experience of what are some of your lessons learned along the way that have helped you be so successful? Some of your observations that you feel like could then in turn apply to the people listening to the podcast, if that makes sense. Oh, that makes total sense. Uh, and this is great too, Rob, because the webinar is just a vehicle, right? It gets you from point A to point B. It's not the only vehicle and sometimes it's not the best vehicle. <laughs> There's a lot of things that go into that. But you know, first and foremost, the thing I see missing most in marketing and in business is having a conversation with your audience as opposed to presenting to your audience or dictating to your audience. And my theory on this, Rob, is back in the day before there was this thing on, called the internet where we can change a message in five seconds and re, you know, redeploy it at will, you had to get your stuff right. And there was kind of this sheen between you and the end user. Usually you had to go through distribution channels or these very complicated things where you would run these mass national campaigns that would take weeks to get off the ground. And you would be so divorced from the end user that it's there are so many pieces in between that. So I think people learn to speak at their audience as opposed to converse with their audience because they didn't have the ability to do that. And all of these remnants seem to have crept over and still exist in modern day business. And so, for example, I'll give you a really good example of what we did in our business early on, because I just I guess I was intuitive or natural at this. And it just so happens it works really well is I would, go to, I would go to my audience and I would say something along the lines of this. I'd say, hey, I'd like to create this product and sell it. But if you'd like to join me live when I create it, I'll give it to you for free. Uh, <laughs> and if you miss it, uh, then you'll have to pay for it later. And so guess what happens, Rob? Now, this is a fascinating piece of psychology. Out of everybody I sent that message to, only a small portion of them actually came to the training for free. Huh. I was like, this is interesting. So, you know, did they believe me? Probably not. How important is it if it's free? Probably not that important. Typically, information's worth every penny that you pay for it. But then I'd go back to the audience the next day. And I would say, hey, listen, you missed out. So I can't give it to you for free. But I'm going to give you a second chance. Instead of paying $47 for this, which is what we intend to retail it at, I'll give you a second chance, $37. But this is it. Now, here's what's great about this, Rob. This is almost a conversation, isn't it? It's like, you've disappointed me. You've let me down. I tried to hook you up and you failed me. But because I love you, I'll give you one more <laughs> shot, but then this is it. And I would sell more product doing that than I would if I just came out and say, hey, listen, I'm going to sell this for $47. If you act fast enough, I'll get it to you for $37 because they saw the experience unfold in front of them. They were part of it. They could influence its outcome. And then based on what happened, is how we cycle back and continue the conversation. But even just notice the language that I'm using. This is a very direct conversation of one heart to another heart. And I think a lot of that is missing in business is that everything I try to do is just to be as transparent as possible and as direct as possible with the idea of every time I give you information, that's going to have you kind of change your viewpoint or bounce back information to me. And then I'm going to calibrate with that and continue moving forward as opposed to saying, this is how it is. I'm going to tell you what to do and hopefully you do it. And if you don't do it, then I'm going to have to figure out the next thing to tell you. Does that make sense? It does. There's a, there's a language we use in our seminars, transactional versus transformational. And 
there are certain things that are important that are transactional that we do. However, just like you said, it's, it's our opinion and observation in our research that this world and pendulum has swung so far into the transactional side that we've lost the personal touch, the ability to communicate. I mean, it's all yep. we need to do is go sit on a train, in a bus, in the mall, wherever, sit anywhere in the public place and watch people. I'd suggest that most of us are guilty of it. And that is, we are all sitting down there looking at our phones. But I think to what your point is, if I understood you correctly, is you're talking about this trend that has developed over time of being very transactional in nature and that we've missed the transformational part, which is the connection with people. And it's that real connection and conversation rather than just dictating that is a big deal for leaders, not only as they build their company, but as they interact with others and build relationships. Oh, totally. And and we have the ability now to be so responsive so quickly and we can make such quick adjustments that why wouldn't we want to lean into that? You know, like I'll give you a great example of something that we really pioneered years ago in the webinar space. But this has just been my philosophy in business of I have something I want to sell you. I believe if you buy it, you're going to get the better end of the deal because I'm going to ex- whatever you exchange in money, you're getting return is going to exceed that. And instead of pretending I'm not going to be here to sell you something and that I'm going to like somehow magically just like surprise, you know, why don't I use that to my advantage? And so what here, here's what we would typically do on a webinar, but this applies really anywhere. As I'd say at the beginning, I said, listen, I have a product today that I would like for you to invest in. I believe that if you invest in this product and you're the right person, X, Y, and Z can happen for you, or now you're not going to face pain point one, two, and three. However, before I get to the point where I show you about this product, my first goal is to show you how to do blank. My purpose for the next 45 minutes is I'm going to break down for you how you're now finally able to whatever, whatever the solution is. Now, if I don't do that, then I give you full permission to completely disregard and not buy what I want to sell you at the end of this presentation. (laughs) (laughs) But if I do accomplish this first objection, which is to show you how to do X, Y, and Z or how to get this solution or outcome or now be able to do this thing you couldn't do before, then you should feel obligated to purchase what I have for sale at the end of this presentation. Does that sound fair? And so for many years, Rob, this is how I would open a majority of my presentations is very clear. Instead of pretending I'm not selling you something, I'd say, listen, I'd like to sell you this thing. But in order for me to get to this point where I could sell you this thing, let me earn the right to sell you this thing. And we change this kind of relationship now. And people are like, that makes sense. Okay, now we know the agenda. I'm not pretending what I'm doing is different. And I've just always felt more comfortable leaning into the the truth as opposed to trying to, you know, walk around the truth and circle in on it. You know, and, and I, I train clients on this all the time because a lot of people have trouble selling which is a huge problem in the business world these days, is I say, listen, if you have trouble selling, do this. Go to your audience. You say, listen, I'm, I'm going to get uncomfortable here for a second with you. So if my voice sounds shaky or if I'm nervous or I don't speak clearly, it's because I'm a little freaked out of my mind. I'm a little out of my comfort zone right now. <laughs> and that's because I'm not very comfortable selling. But in spite of that, I'm going to attempt to sell you anyway because I believe it's important enough that you know about this, that I'm willing to put my own unease on pause and bring this for your consideration. And, you know, how would you feel in that situation if you said that, if you just addressed the issue head on, right, Rob, as opposed to try to deny it or act like it isn't there? Not only how good are you going to feel now, but how good is your audience going to feel? What do you think that your audience is going to respond to if you say something like that? Yeah, there's an an empathy that comes with that. People 
almost want to jump in and help out <laughs> when they, they see vulnerability. Help out. Yeah. And, and what's great about that is, aren't you asking them to do something that is outside of their comfort zone potentially? Aren't you asking them to kind of do more than just sit on and listen and actually invest and move forward? So you're not, not you're, you're now showing them, listen, I'm doing this. I'm doing the same thing I'm asking you to do. And there's a parity to that communication that's transformative. And so often we don't this because people have this misbelief Rob, that I am the expert. I am the guru. I am the thought leader. I am the, the person that is that has to be presented as, as impeccable, as perfect, as having everything together because nobody wants to learn from somebody who, does, who isn't like this idol or this perfect person. But that's not how things work in the real world. People love vulnerabilities and people love authenticity and people will more likely believe your truths that you claim the big claims if you also disclose your weaknesses. And that's a conversational tone. That's essentially saying, hey, listen, here's what I'm feeling right now. I want to share that with you. And this is why I'm doing this in spite of or because of how I'm feeling. And then the audience will feed back with that. The yeah. audience will feed back. But if you just go out there and say, hey, listen, I got this thing. It's so great. It's so fantastic. Here's what it can do for you. There's the benefits of it. Here's the drawbacks of it. Now you should go and buy it. That's not a conversation. That yeah. is basically a set of instructions. <laughs> and hey, you can do okay that way. But I've always found opening up the dialogue and saying, this is what I'm thinking about. Here's what I would like you to do. Here's where I'm coming from on this. And here's the opportunity. But because I can have this feedback loop, I can solicit your response. And then based on your response, I know how to proceed. And we can do this in mass. We can do this with hundreds of thousands of people. Whereas back in the day, it would be one-to-one. -one. I'd have to be nose-to-nose, toes-to-toes in a selling environment where now I can do it one-to-many. Yes, and that's the power of webinar. So I had a thought that came to mind. And, and before we started this podcast, Jason and I were just talking and saying, let's just see where the conversation goes. Uh, I'd like to ask you a question based on what we're talking about here. You know, we, we've been focused on the psychology and, and selling and, and talking and having conversations. There is so much noise right now in the world. There's so much information. You know, the old statistics, and you would probably know what the new ones are exactly, and, and they're probably ever-changing, so they're probably not exact. You know, the old statistics were seven, eight touches minimum prior to a sale. Oh, yeah, I love that. And now with, with all the noise, how do, how do you take your experience and cut through the noise? So here you have all of these things that we're bombarded with on a daily basis, information. And I'm just thinking anyone who's in business, who's listening to this podcast, they're facing similar challenges as to how do they market their message, their company, their product, and cut through all the noise that exists to the customer. And then I'll have a separate question on the backside of that from the customer's perspective. But for those running a business, how do you cut through the noise from your experiences and lessons learned with your message? But yeah. And, and so first to that, my philosophy is 26 touches. So yeah, at a minimum, the old yes, school right? thought was seven, right? Yeah, so absolutely. So I like 26. Yeah. <laughs> and I believe it. How many times does it take? Anyone who's running a business, how many touches does it take before a customer will pick up the phone and call you or before they will click a button or whatever it is? And I agree with you. It's got to be in the 20s in most companies, most, most products, most services. Yeah. And this goes to a bigger point is I would rather err on the side of too much than too little, you know, because it's like if you look at it, let's pretend it's a life and death situation. Somebody just swallowed some poison and they're going to die soon. And you have the, the antidote and you're trying to get them to take it. And they say, no, do you give up after two or three times? <laughs> how, how hard would you push? Would you say, well, I gave it the good old college try. Yeah, you know, maybe I'll see him in the afterlife. Or... <laughs> <laughs> do you do everything you can? Do you run the risk of potentially offending them? 
And so I would rather overdo it than underdo it because I can dial it back in way easier than I can expand it out. And so I like 26 touches. Now you might say, well, what does that look like? And again, this is why I like webinars because on a webinar, I can do 26 ask in a single session. So I can give an hour, hour and a half of content, and then I can present the offer and then I can ask them to sign up. And here's the psychology, just so you know, Rob, and I think this is really en enlightening to a lot of people. A majority of your audience, if they want it, if they have the means to get it, and if it's the perfect thing for them, are programmed to say no the first time they hear it. Yeah, isn't that interesting? It is a, yeah, it's a survival mechanism. Because if we, if we instantly said yes to everything around us, or if we said yes to most, most things, that would put us in a, a state of, of danger. <laughs> it, it's so and a lot of us have been taught that to be safe to be cautious in school you weren't necessarily rewarded for being bold you were actually punished for it and so many people have adapted a behavior of even if this is a good thing for me it's better to do nothing than to do anything so doing nothing is not saying yes it's not saying anything just sitting there so i expect and anticipate a no so i like to get the no out of the way as soon as possible because am I selling you or are you buying? If you feel like I've sold you, then I have manipulated you or took an advantage of you or I control the relationship, right? If you feel like you are buying, then you have decided you are empowered. You have made the decision. And so some people don't like to be sold, but they love to buy. So they want to say, well, he didn't sell me because I said no to him. And then I decided when I was going to say yes. And listen, Rob, I'm very pragmatic. Whether you think you said yes or whether I sold you or whether you bought, the money's still the same. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, I'll give you the benefit that way. I don't really care as long as the check cashes. And so the first no is actually programmed to be a no. I don't, so I don't have to give you the full information. I don't have to give you an hour and a half on the ins and outs of everything I have for you. Let me give you the bare minimum, what I think is the most powerful salient stuff so you can say no if you're going to say no. Now, a portion of people are going to say yes because they are in need of it so much and it's so obvious to them that they don't need controlling. So let's give them the benefit of saying yes immediately and getting on with it and moving forward as soon as possible, right? So the first no, we get that out of the way. But I like to say no is not N-O for most people. No is K-N-O-W. No, as in I need to know more. So it's a new information. It's a new decision. You know, if I said to you, hey, this is really broken down, old, beat up home that's practically condemned, Rob, and it's like, it's like $500,000 and it's in the worst part of town and it's probably really worth about $50,000, would you buy it? You would say no. And then I'd say, well, I forgot to tell you, there's a Rembrandt in the attic. It's worth a couple million dollars. Now, would you buy it? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. You'd say, yeah, you say, sign me up, right? So new information, new decision. <laughs> so people will say no based upon the information given to them. But if you can give more information, now they have the opportunity to say yes. So on a webinar, I can, I can line up 26 pieces of information, one after the yeah, next. So if they say no the first time, I can ask them again. Now, here's what's beautiful about this. It's not like they're sitting in prison cells. It's not like they're handcuffed to the computer and they're forced to listen to any and everything I say. They can leave anytime they want. And we've given them an hour of value prior to any selling that has occurred. So it's like, I don't feel ashamed and I don't feel nervous about this. And every close is an educational experience. Every time I ask for an order or every time I attempt to get a sale, I first educate and then I sell. And that's what's beautiful is we don't run out of material online. It's not like I have to say, uh-oh, we got to print this out. We got to publish this. We got to you know, distribute it. And it's going to cost a lot of money and take a lot of effort. We have to get out the X-Acto knife and cut out and lay out these ads like they did in the old days. No, 
we can do it instantaneously and we can even sub-segment and do it based on different sub-audiences and sub-niches that we're talking to. And so if I say the person didn't say yes right now, what do they need to say yes? And I'll give you a great example. So we were running a promotion many years ago when Facebook first came out where you could do advertising on it. And we were, we were promoting this product and we were doing okay with it. But I was like, why aren't people buying? I was obsessing over, it, it didn't make sense to me. I felt like they should. And then it dawned on me, it wasn't the risk of the product. It was they were going to pay for the product and they were going to pay for the advertisement. So if the product worked good and they invested 500, that's one thing. But if the product went good and then they didn't do well in the ads, though they screwed up and spent $1,000, they're not out $500 off. $1,500. And it dawned on me. So I went back to the audience and say, hey, listen, I think the reason you haven't invested yet, for those of you who have been really paying attention to this and expressed interest in it, is because you're concerned not on the ticket of the course, but you're concerned on losing your money when you advertise. So here's what I came up with. And then I went through this guarantee where I explained to them, I said, if you follow this and you do X, Y, and Z, I'm so confident that you will be successful that if you're not, I will reimburse any ad spend that you do up to $1,000. And essentially, that was like, you know, like I'm making $500 to sell on this course. I could lose $500 per person. But I felt like it was worth doing. I took a look at the risk and I said, if they did this, I would be very comfortable with this. And I know this is going to quadruple conversion probably or double it. So therefore, it's like even if I have to reimburse some people back, it'll probably be okay. More important than the specifics, Rob, is my audience saw the fact that I was willing to go out on a limb. They saw the fact that I was obsessing over how I can make sure that they were taken care of. And then they translate that into what well, he must really believe in this. This must be a very important thing. So I should definitely take another look at it. So they might not even have bought for the guarantee. They might have simply bought simply because of my actions of how I presented the guarantee, showed yeah. them this is a guy who's serious about this, so I should be serious too. I should give this another look and they give it another look and then they buy. But see how we were able to, in a 24-hour period, observe how the promotion was going, recalibrate, come back to the audience with new information and allow them to make a new decision. And the difference there went from, you know, we were doing okay with the promotion to, you know, we, we did quadruple the output at the end of the promotion cycle. So that was fabulous. Great insight there, especially on the no versus no, N-O-K-N-O-W. I like that one. Here's one more question. We only have a few minutes left and, and I wanted to get to this one because I know this is one that is burning in the back of most people's minds who have any thought or idea that they want to do a webinar with their business. And, and I think most of us have the idea of what a webinar is. Anybody listening, whether you're working with, you know, financial planning service, there's a benefit to a webinar for most people if it's done correctly. So here's, here's the question that I hear all the time, Jason. I imagine you hear it a lot and I know that it's not a three minute answer, but if you could consolidate down to the best you can, one of the biggest challenges that people face that are coming in webinars for the first time is how do you quote unquote, fill the seats in your webinar? Great question. So what are your thoughts on that? And I realize it's a, it's a much more in-depth answer than we really have time for, but it's actually from the big not. picture. <laughs> well, that's good. So what in the time that we have, what's the best answer that you could give on that on how to fill seats in a webinar? Yeah, don't. Okay, you so don't expand yeah, so expand on that because I think where you're going with this is that it becomes evergreen. <laughs> well, yeah, it could be evergreen, right? So the, so the, the point is how do you how do you best correctly is such a valuable asset. Well let me let me clarify. So the question is how do you best utilize the webinar so yeah, whether yeah, it's, there you go. Right? Whether it's filling the seats or whether it's an evergreen experience. So maybe let me tweak that question. How do you best utilize the webinar to have an impact in your business? 
Yeah. So, and and I and I, I wasn't trying to be facetious, Rob. But the problem that I've seen with a lot of people is they want to create the webinar, promote the webinar, you know, drive traffic to the webinar, optimize the webinar. They want to do fifty-six things at once. And guess what happens when you try to do fifty-six things at once? It's the same thing that happens when you try to ride two horses at once. You fall on your face yeah. and you make the two horses mad, right? So let's just get the webinar done. And now when we're done, we have this amazing, beautiful, wonderful, fantastic asset that we can try a variety of different things to extract the value out of it. And so just getting it done allows you to have one less thing floating in your head that you're thinking about. So for example, one of the, one of the simplest models I've ever developed to utilize webinars for clients is create the webinar and tell people you have a webinar, but you're not going to allow them to see it unless they ask permission for you to send it over to them. So you actually turn it into a handing it out one at a time, right? And the way I've always positioned that is this is very important, but if I make it freely available to you, the chances of you watching it drop down to almost nothing. Yeah, good point. So you have to really tell me that you're excited and interested in seeing this, and only then will I manually send you a link so you can watch this. And you might start it out there, because think about this, okay? Let's say this webinar sells a $1,000 product, and there's a million products you could sell out there where you can make a $1,000 commission. So you can't, you can't tell me, well, Jason, I don't have a $1,000 product. That's not the point, right? Let's just say you made $1,000 every time you made a sale on this webinar. So if you hand this out to 10 people and one of them buys, which is a 10% close rate, which is not atypical, you just made $1,000. Can you get 10 people to watch it so somebody buys it within the next seven days? Congratulations, you just made $1,000. Now, could you do that three more times for the month? You've just made $4,000. Now you might say, okay, I like this, but how do we do better? And that's when you can start playing with it. That's when you can start saying, what if we take some advertisement out of these profits? Or what if we're able to connect with somebody who has an audience similar to the audiences I'm trying to reach into a profit share? Now you open up the whole new set of possibilities. But question number one that I want to know is, is anybody even interested in watching that webinar? And will they respond to it. So let's figure that out. And we have the agility in this new age in business of doing this, Rob, where it's it's fascinating. And, and so if you don't know how to fill up a webinar, you just say, okay, we'll figure that out later. We don't need to solve that now. Let's just get a webinar and then we'll have more urgency and leverage to want to utilize it. I've used webinars simply, you could put a webinar up on YouTube and you, you might say, well, Jason, it only gets 200 views a year. Okay. That's fine because you might make 10 sales from those 200 views, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, in, the input to the output sounds good to me. Okay, I did the webinar, I uploaded it. That took, what, a half an hour, maybe less. I'm okay with that. Low risk, high reward. But everybody wants to be perfect before they get going. You don't have to be perfect to get started, but you have to start before you become perfect. So let's just get started. So yeah, that's my answer to that is the webinar is such a valuable tool but it's also an advertisement, which is what I love about it. But it's such a valuable tool that people will want to watch it. And by watching it, they will also be advertised to. And what a wonderful world that is where we can design something like that, where we can provide value first in the advertisement and then automatically have somebody decide if they want to exchange money for more value. And that is great advice because so many of us as entrepreneurs, business leaders, whoever, just people in general want to go after the big massive approach and get it all right the first time, you know, writing a book, you know this because you wrote a book and, and this is really what I recommend anyone do who's even considering a webinar is to read your book. But how many books have not been published yet you've heard people say, I've always wanted to write a book or the person who gets their book semi-written, 
but it's just perpetually being rewritten over and over and over because they're looking for perfection. And it sounds to me like what you're saying about the webinar is very similar in that, you know, don't try to do everything at once because like you said, you end up falling on the face. Rather, at least get something, a webinar done, and then I'm sure in your book you have a lot of different ways to extract that value that you're talking about, but the point is to at least have something and get started because the real art is in the start. The art is in the start. The real art is in the start. I love that, Rob. Thank you for sharing that with me. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on. What we've done here has just gotten a taste of the power of a webinar, and hopefully it's piqued a lot of people's curiosity. I mean, the intent in doing these podcasts is that a person can just get one or two golden nuggets. You know, they don't have to feel pressure to get everything at once. Rather, one or two golden nuggets, and and I hope at least one of the golden nuggets is that in your business, in most businesses, there should be a way for you to utilize webinars to expand not only your offerings, but your reach and your advertisement and all these things that Jason is talking about. And there's a huge amount of value to be found in there that I think we're leaving a lot of it on the table. At least it's my, my observation for many people. And so at this point, Jason, knowing that there's a lot more to know about this, if you don't mind, how could they find you? What's your website? What's the title of your book? And where could they best get it? Because I know there's going to be people who want to know more about this. Yeah, the best thing to do is to go to Amazon and put in one to many. That's the name of the book. And I know you have the book, Rob. I do. And if you go to Amazon, grab that book. I think it's like 10 bucks for the Kindle or something like that. That has my A to Z step-by-step process for the webinars that we've designed that have done over $100 million. And then if you like that, there's obviously ways that you can engage with us further. But start with the book that has my best material for the cheapest price. (laughs) (laughs) And it is currently sitting on my bedstand next to my bed, one to many. So I'm excited to get into it. I haven't read it all the way through yet barely started it. And so I'm excited to see what's actually in the book. Well, Jason, any parting thoughts for us? It's been great having you here and I appreciate it. Any parting thoughts or comments for our listeners? Yeah. Pick the one thing that you heard today that got you most excited and have it show up in some meaningful way. Produce something or take some action so you can tangibly say, as a result of listening to this podcast, I have now done this and that will make me very happy. Yes. And that's fabulous advice. And I think we could all do that all the time. And that's certainly the spirit of becoming your best. So Jason, it's been fabulous having you here to all of our listeners. Thank you. Wherever you're at in the world, it's because of you that we do this and we appreciate you, honor you, serve you, and hope you have a fabulous week wherever you're at. Thank you for listening. Would you like help to apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders in your life, in your family, or in your organization? Call us today at 888-690-8764 to speak with a helpful representative to evaluate your situation and how we can help. Or you can visit becomingyourbest.com. Whether it's a corporate training event, keynote, workshop, trainer certification, or personal coaching, it would be our pleasure to serve your needs. Once again, call 888-690-8764 or visit becomingyourbest.com today.